Hello, this is Rebecca Fleetwood Hessian, host of the Badass Women's Council podcast. We're here for reflection and connection for the badass, high-achieving woman like you. So thanks for being here. And since you're here, you might as well just hit the subscribe button. I mean, don't be silly. You don't want to miss a minute of any of the episodes coming up. Okay, so we have Dr. Vicki Dalton back today. If you're just joining us and you want to jump back to the last episode... Dr. Dalton has been covering what it means to feel better because the majority of her clients come to her and that's what they say. I just want to feel better. So in the last episode, we covered what are the barriers to feeling better. And in this episode, we're going to look at the solutions and just rich with nuggets in today's episode. All this free therapy I'm giving you. Don't you just love that? Now... I got to tell you that when we get to the solutions and we summarize them at the end of this episode, guess what? The solution is reflection and connection, which is the tagline of the Badass Women's Council podcast. Reflection and recognizing our own thoughts and abilities to make changes and to do big, bold, beautiful things and connection to surround ourselves with a well-built community. So I love working with Vicki, and I think you're going to love what you hear today. Here we go. I'm not coming down. Hey, Vicki. Hello. Now that I have permission to call you Vicki. You do. <laughs> I've given it to you. So we're back to follow up from our previous episode where we looked at the aspect of many of your clients come to you to feel better. And in the first episode, we looked at some of the barriers to that. Do you want to summarize that? Yeah. So really, I guess when we kind of break this down, you can kind of describe this sort of the ABC model um, that we operate a lot in in the mental health world and, and, and quite frankly, science in general. The A is the antecedent or sort of the precursors or the triggers, um, the, the situation perhaps if you want. The B is the behavior. Um, and then C is the consequence, the outcome. Um, and we kind of spend a lot of time talking about sort of the antecedents, which is often the thought pattern um, and perhaps, you know, the things that we're unhappy, you know, noticing those sort of pieces of that. And then we moved a little bit into behavior, talking about what role did we play, what role do we maybe need to change, um, identifying some of those kind of pieces. And we talked right. about some of the thought patterns. Um, and then now we're kind of probably should transition over to consequences or the, the, the outcome that we want. Um, and I think we could probably break that down in terms of goals. Okay. Um, I think is probably a pretty good way for us to summarize this next part. So if you're saying to yourself, driving to work this morning, I would like to feel better. And you've listened to that first episode and you're recognizing some of your thoughts and, and things that may be contributing um, in a way that's not helping you feel better. Now you're saying, well, what does what are the goals that you have for feeling better? What does that look like, feel like? Mm -hmm. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah. So like when they come in and, and I ask them, how do you know you're depressed? How do you know you're anxious? How do you know you're unhappy, you know, with work or in your relationships? Um, and I make them kind of break it down to what is the problem? 
Um, and then by definition, that kind of lends itself then to our goal development. How will you know you're feeling better? What will that look like? How will you know? Um, and, and can we have measurable things? Or is it going to be more of an internal state? In which case, you know, you have to be pretty introspective and, and work at that. Is it going to be um, a, an actual tangible outcome? Or is it going to be a sense um, of, of enjoyment uh, in life? And we really have to kind of define what that looks like. Because like I said, they come in like, I want to feel happier. I want to feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's a fleeting thing. Or it's situational and environmental. And we have to talk mm-hmm. about more of an internal state. Um, so again, we break it down to goals. How will you know when you're not as depressed or not depressed at all? Mm-hmm. What would that look like? What would that feel like? Um, and that's where we started with the behaviors. I said um, earlier, and I don't know if we were on air yet or not, but we were talking about the idea that um, human beings, we don't repeat behaviors that don't work. Um, they may seem like they don't work to other people, right. um, but they must serve some purpose. They're serving something in us. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, you know, they, we, we change, we tweak them. Um, it is a fundamental aspect of, I think, why we're at the top of the food chain. Mm-hmm. That and our thumbs, thumbs, like I said earlier. <laughs> yeah, um, We learn and we adapt. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes we adapt in maladaptive kind of ways because of some of those thought patterns or beliefs or a lack of confidence in ourselves or a lack of, of positive fortune telling. Um, so we have to pay attention to then how do we change that. Um, and that's sort of where it comes into this real personal journey. Um, and one of the things that I had said earlier was as you're sort of taking a look and evaluating the consequences of my situation and what my goals you know, are to be, how much of that do we have influence over mm. um, our situation our work environment, um, the people that we have in our world or the outcome in the product of our, of our jobs or our lives, you know, where do we have the ability to make and, and bring about change? Um, and quite frankly, who we surround ourselves with right. is a pretty huge piece. It's, it's a piece I care deeply about is that career women are intentionally building community for themselves that are supportive, that appreciate that we love our careers as much as we love our families and our kids and maybe mm-hmm. not as much but it's an important part of our life not something that we should feel ashamed of or mm-hmm. diminish in any way is to surround yourself with people that will cheer that love that you have of your your career um it has been been an integral part of of mm-hmm. my journey the last few years but let's talk a little bit about a, an example let's say that you work for a complete jerk. Okay. And let's say that you're headed to work right now and you're recognizing that your thoughts are a little bit fortune telling, that you might be assuming that, you know, he or she's going to derail the day no matter what your plan. And, and now you're thinking, okay, how can I do this differently? And how can I go into today looking at my own thoughts and behaviors and dealing with the situation that I'm in. What would you recommend in that situation? Well, I think, you know, we focus on sort of the here and now. Um, and if this is a situation that you're currently in and you're not planning to change it, um, and we all know that we can't change other people. So if your boss is a jerk, they're probably going to continue to maintain their behaviors um, unless we have the ability to influence them. So what is in our control is our thought pattern, our perceptions. And if you come in, that fortune-telling concept a really good one. Um, if I believe, you know, they're going to be very negative with me, they're going to challenge me, they're going to put me down um, or put barriers in my way towards success, whatever the case would be, um, when you start spinning 
um, in that direction, catastrophizing perhaps, investing in that sort of negative thought pattern. And it may be a reality, but what do you do with that reality becomes the question. And so when you can become aware that you're starting to engage in that negativity, if you can catch it, and sort of shift it a little bit, take it almost like a little bit more of a scientific kind of approach. Okay, if it is what it is, what do I have the ability to influence and control? Um, and truthfully, mindset matters. If you go into this anticipating some difficulties, you could be working on problem solving and planning if you keep your mindset in a more positive manner, perhaps avoiding as much of the boss mm-hmm. as you can as possible, right. or sort of presenting them with something that might um, sort of derail their negativity, even if you can't change it. Um, but the reality is that when you're engaging in that catastrophizing, when you're engaging in that negative fortune telling, you're not really capable of effectively engaging in problem solving or growth. Um, and therefore you're going to be stuck and spinning. And then you'll believe when it happens, it was going to always happen. See, I told you it was, mm-hmm. he was a jerk. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely have had experience with this where the more I dreaded and thought about the other person's behavior, I gave away all of my own control and influence and just was surviving that relationship. And when I was able to shift it and say, but hold on, my my job is more than just my relationship with this person. What kind of impact am I having with my clients, with my team? What, what am I good at? And what am I going to focus on today that feels good instead of just playing defense to try to not deal with him? Yeah, that's a great approach. And recognizing that if you you know, are going to have a negative interaction that you can't avoid, you know, doing your best to sort of encapsulate it, to not allowing it to own your whole morning or own the whole afternoon, influence how you interact with other people, um, that, you know, if there is that kind of negativity that you can't externally influence, make sure it doesn't allow to internally influence you um, for an extended period of time, at least. I mean, that's part of what I I have to do with my clients is we have to, we have to live in reality. I don't want to present this as some sort of Pollyanna type of approach where, you know, just it's all sunshine and roses. I mean, sometimes we have tough jobs. Um, Sometimes we have really tough coworkers. It's not always just the boss that's the jerk. Sometimes it's easier to deal if it's the boss as opposed to the person next to you. Um, So we have to find ways to recognize what influence are they are having. That's sort of the mindfulness awareness. All right. How is this person influencing me? How much power am I giving them right now? Um, How much, you know, how much ability do I have to influence that? And, and oftentimes it's very little in other people. It's how we perceive it and how we allow it to impact us. Um, and you can only really effectively do that if you're paying attention to what's going on inside your head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, it's, it allowed me to evoke a ton of empathy for people that are kind of jerks with bad behavior because I recognize that they're likely hurting in some real internal way themselves because that whole concept of people that are hurting tend to hurt others and lash out in that way Mm -hmm. so I can evoke empathy and not have to receive it yeah I mean that's a it's a higher order emotional kind of a thing it's emotional maturity that's taking place when you can sort of step outside of your own self and see what might be going on for this person why might they be behaving this way um, what purpose do they think it's serving? Um, sometimes that's pretty helpful if you go back to the philosophy of people don't repeat behaviors unless they work. Um, so on some level, this must be working yeah. sort of for them, in which case you'll be at risk for taking it less personal, which is another cognitive distortion that we do. We take things personal and make assumptions about why they're doing something you know, to us when I'd say 95% of the time, maybe even more, people do things for themselves, not to you. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's their own goals and motives. And when you can see that, that enables the empathy piece, but it also enables it to sort of bounce off of you a bit more. And then you're in control more, at least in your own head, in your own world. Well, let's talk about that control because one of the things I hear from high-achieving women is when we can evoke that sense of empathy for others, then sometimes we think we have the ability to fix or control or help those people and most of the time that's not the case so I've given up on what I call the role of the fixer that's that's not my job right and I would say that's probably um not a bad thing to be aware of you know engaging in that empathy process and trying to understand um what might be their other motives or other purposes that their behaviors could be serving rather than just to torment you um or to make the world a less happy place um it's helpful um, to, to have that context, but very rarely do you inspire change in other people unless they're interested in it. Um, I have been told more than once I have to remember not everybody is, you know, paying me to hear my advice or to get my support. (laughs) That's, that is not my job to fix or change the world. Mm -hmm. Um, and so remembering that, you know, can be helpful in terms of just, you know, sort of a cost benefit use of your energy. Um, not necessarily that we say we have a truly, truly limited amount of energy, but will this derive any benefit? Um, will it be helpful? Um, that doesn't mean necessarily that you go out of your way to ignore if there's an opportunity to be supportive, Mm -hmm. but to have the expectation that it will change someone else, um, is not always a very effective use of your time and energy. I encourage people to to make a list each week. Where can they have the most impact in a positive way? And then look for activities and meetings and conversations that will that will give them that sense of, I didn't just check the box this week. I didn't just habitually go through a list of tasks and activities. Mm-hmm. But what's the impact that some of these things has had, which always, for me, has helped derive a greater sense of satisfaction in my work. Absolutely. And recognizing where are there inefficiencies in what you're doing already. Mm. Um, when we think about, you know, the, the amount of behaviors that we go through, the patterns that we go through almost sort of mindlessly, are they bringing benefit to us in some way or to our, our work product or to our team? Mm. Um, and if you really take some time to evaluate, you'll probably see there's probably quite a few things that we do out of habit or out of maybe external expectation or our perception of external expectation, but really don't serve purpose. Yeah, I say do things in intentionally not habitually okay I, yeah, I always I like think that. I think about the story that's uh, gone around for decades where um, grandma always cut off the ends of the ham and it got passed on for generations at every family dinner and gathering that the you know you always cut off the ends of the ham and somebody thought it was because it tasted better and somebody thought it was you know that everybody had their thoughts on the on why that was and finally it came to be known that grandma had a really small pan and always bought big ham and it wouldn't fit in the pan <laughs> but for decades after that you know her children and children's children were cutting off the ends of the ham so sometimes I'll use that as an example of know why you're doing things don't just do it because it's always been done that way yeah yeah there's a there's some sort of famous philosophies like it you know, do we really have a good plan or has this plan actually been applied or challenged? You know, is it, is it the right thing to do the best way to do it the most efficient way? And again, looking at that without judgment, 
Um, that's the external piece that can help us towards our goals and towards positive consequences and changes, things that make us feel better. When we identify inefficiencies or disappointments or um, these negative cognitive distortions, when we identify them, it really is pretty counterproductive to beat yourself up for beating yourself up. Um, mm. So you become aware that you maybe have identified some of these things that you need to change and then work towards those goals, making the change, not necessarily beating yourself up that the previous plan that you had um, was ineffective. There's no no point in lamenting the lost pieces of ham that were mm-hmm. out there, but instead now embracing the whole ham, which I feel like should be on a t-shirt somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I read the other day a quote that said um, something about no need to stick to, to a plan uh, or st- focus on a mistake that you make just because you spend a lot of time making it, right? So don't just... <laughs> stay with it because I've spent so much time making this bad mistake I should probably just stick with it but just acknowledging and then moving on to something that provides better outcomes and I'd even take it a step further I'm okay if you're going to focus on the mistake but let's focus on it in a non-judgmental way Mm. what inspired that what was the why behind I did the thing that was ineffective or hurtful or damaging what was what I thought was going to be the goal but obviously it wasn't the outcome you know when you can remove the judgment piece and just sort of stay present in the moment and see the mistake as a behavior you need to learn from or a thought pattern you need to identify and then change now you can do so mm-hmm. um, and yet you know it's it's reflex for a lot of people in an unfortunate way that they they feel like like almost like they have like this mean coach in their head I need to I make sure the little bitch in her head all right fine <laughs> that works we've named too. her a little differently at the Badass Women's <laughs> Council, but. <laughs> yeah. And so reevaluating the idea of like, okay, yelling at myself about this really doesn't actually make me get to that finish line better and faster. Um, I, I might make it there, but I'm, I'm doing so with tears, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to picking myself up and, and understanding why did I trip? what happened and learning from it and then moving forward in a meaningful way. Take those mistakes with you and grow as opposed to being afraid of repeating. Mm-hmm. I love that without shame and judgment. And I say when, when the little bitch in your head starts to say those things, you're always going to have her. But if we can just put her in the passenger seat with a seatbelt and a snack and say, you can ride along, but you don't get to drive. Like we're going this direction now. Like I get it. Here's what we did wrong. Now let's go this way. Maybe. Maybe she doesn't always have to stay the bitch, I guess, if you look out like that. Like, well, we're giving her a snack, so, okay, you know. Yeah, maybe she was hangry. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> there actually is something to that. Not that this is necessarily relevant for our podcast, but no, go in, for the, it. in the addictions world, when I was first working in, in, um, in my career early on, I had some training in the addictions world, and it was in a women's inpatient residential facility for new moms who had their babies taken um, from them um, at the hospital because they were addicted, um, and, and the process was trying to reunite them. And uh, there was this concept of HALT, H-A-L-T. And that is particularly true for women, but I would say it's probably true for everybody. Um, Things that put you at risk for repeating bad patterns, um, going back to old things like addictions, but also probably anything negative. um, These are things that pull you back and put you more at risk. H-A-L-T. Never get too hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Um, because oh my god! I know. Isn't that like life changing? Because um, we've all, we joke about the hangry thing, but it's legit. Um, and anger is derailing and distracting and always secondary to another emotion that's more vulnerable you didn't want to feel. And we can understand, we talked earlier about you don't have to go this alone. Getting lonely 
um, really put you at risk for making oh, lots of different absolutely. kinds of mistakes. And we all know what happens when we get tired. Yeah. Um, so those are really pretty good models to, you know, to handle. But so maybe, yeah, maybe our little inner bitch is really just angry and tired and hungry. Oh my gosh. That whole thing is so profound. And in the loneliness thing, isolation and loneliness is third to obesity and smoking in terms of health related issues now globally. I mean, the UK is, has appointed a minister of loneliness. Like it's a thing we've, we've grown to believe that we have to figure everything out and that we have to, it's, it's up to us instead of, like you said earlier, somebody else might be able to help solve this problem, which also is connection. Like let's work together on things more in our business instead of thinking that we have to have all the answers. I know for me, if I am sitting in my office, I'm an entrepreneur, so I could spend days alone and nobody would even know that I've been alone for days, right? Mm-hmm. I could sit here and stew on a problem and recognize that I'm getting more and more ineffective the longer I stay alone. And literally just, I'll feel it now and I'll be like, I got to go have coffee with a friend or I got to go out and interact with someone and it gets my brain lit back up and then I can come back and work on that problem very differently than if I would have just white knuckled it and said, I'm not going to do anything until I figure this thing out. Absolutely. And you know, I would be willing to bet that for a lot of my clients that come in and talk about, I don't, I want to feel better. Um, they really want to feel connected. Mm-hmm. Um, they want to feel connected to people that are meaningful to them. Um, that almost always ends up ultimately on the goal side of the page. How will we know when you're better, when you're feeling better? And it's going to be when you're connected to other people. You feel your goals almost always include another part of humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say that that makes a great deal of sense. I hope so, because that's what my entire business model is based on, is helping build community for career women. Because I I know personally, and then when I started to do the research, it just was slapping me in the face every day, that we've just normalized busy and taking care of everyone else, and we've left ourselves out of the equation too often. And, and, and career women, high-achieving women, we, we don't really have a lot of patience for small talk. We don't want to sit around and just have people in our lives and conversation just for the sake of, we really want to have meaningful conversation. We want to be around people that appreciate that our careers are important and have those meaningful conversations. And and once I start to put people in these groups, you can just see them light up. Right. They want to be around people that inspire those conversations, not just that they can sort of, you know, be a part of it, but join in and inspire it. Mm -hmm. Um, And it does take a mindset you know, to get to that point. And it does take to a certain extent in this world. I mean, you know, this isn't my idea. This isn't just me. I mean, this has been around since the beginning of psychology. The idea of, I think it was Eric Maslow's hierarchy of need, mm-hmm. right? Right yeah. after, you know, food, shelter, clothing, like what you have to have for basic survival. The next building block for uh, any kind of healthy humanity is a sense of belonging mm-hmm. um, and preferably belonging to a group of people you want to belong to. Right. Um, and that usually involves part of the goal process that we're talking about getting there. What would it look like? What would it feel like? Mm-hmm. You know, and we end up at some point talking about how do you surround yourself with or who do you already have in your world that you can become more connected with that would meet some of those needs? Or quite frankly, who do you have that you need to carve out? That's a whole nother episode. Yeah. Yes, it is. So let's summarize this because I think that does it really well is the first step is recognizing your, your thoughts and knowing that you have the ability to, to change your thoughts and your behaviors, habits, patterns that get you more of the goals, the consequences positively that you want 
and to surround yourself with the people that can support you in that way and never get too hungry, angry, lonely, retired. That's right. What did we leave out? Anything that we want to make sure that we highlight here as a capture at the end? I think that was uh, pretty good. I mean, we sort of talked about the concept that people want to feel better, but they have to understand what that means, what are the barriers, and what will it look like um, when they're improved. And, And we sort of broke that down, I think, pretty well for folks. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for inviting me. I'm not coming down. Okay, so this is one of those episodes that you want to save and go back and listen to the last two episodes with Vicki. Save them, take notes, mark them so you can get to them quickly when you need them later. Oh my gosh, just the whole thing in general is life-changing. Never make decisions when you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. All right, that kind of describes the holiday season. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Okay, speaking of the holidays, you need a gift for the badass women in your life. And you, you need this yourself. So send this link to your significant other or your mom and say, hey, you know what I really want this holiday season? I want me a Badass Women's Council t-shirt to remind me that I'm a badass. And you can get one at badasswomenscouncil.com, which is the podcast page, and then hit the tab shop. I'd love it if you did. Enjoy your holiday season, and I can't wait to spend 2021 just doing amazing interviews and bringing you all the great stories. I'm not coming down. This is Rebecca Fleetwood Hessian. Thanks so much for being here. We'd love to stay connected. We can do that if you jump into the online community at badasswomenscouncil.community. We've got lots of cool people in there already. And if you come in, it'll just be cooler. I'm not coming down. I never liked it on the ground. I'm not